SoFi, the all-in-one super app for banking, borrowing, and investing. Earn industry-leading APY, get great loan rates, and trade stocks. SoFi, get your money right. Banking products and loans offered by SoFi Bank N.A., NMLS 696891. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. iConnections is the world's largest capital introduction platform in the alternative investment industry. iConnections membership-only platform brings together the asset management community, providing allocators and managers with the opportunity to connect both physically and virtually. With an impressive network of over 4,000 allocators, and 900 managers, their community oversees an astounding $48 trillion and $16 trillion in assets, respectively. iConnections is also the driving force behind the alternative investment industry's most renowned in-person events. We invite you to join iConnections at their upcoming event, Salt iConnections in New York, taking place on May 20th through the 21st at the Glass House in New York City. This two-day event is packed with one-on-one cap intro meetings and content. To explore more about iConnections events and gain access to their members-only platform, visit iConnections.io. SoFi, the all-in-one super app for banking, borrowing, and investing. Earn industry-leading APY, get great loan rates, and trade stocks. SoFi, get your money right. Banking products and loans offered by SoFi Bank N.A., NMLS 696891. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. I'm Dan Nathan. I'm here with a really good friend of mine. This is somebody who, when I first met him, we spent a couple hours on, on a little mini bus from New York City to Philadelphia. Our good friend Rick Heitzman put us together. We were in the back of that bus. And I, for the first hour, I had no idea who he was, but I watched him play 2048 over (laughs) his shoulder. And he was getting two levels Mm. and scores that I I could have only dreamed of. Zach Rotano, CEO, co-founder of Roe. Welcome to On The Tape Podcast. Thanks for having me, Dan. So listen, here's the deal, man. You know, A lot of our listeners, they've gotten to know you and your company. We've been talking about you for a month now. You are the newest partner in the Risk Reversal Media family. You are the co-presenting sponsor of of OK Computer. You are also the presenting sponsor of Market Call on Sirius XM Radio on Mondays, people. That is live at 12 noon Eastern, Guy Adami and myself. And we've been talking about you guys. So we wanted to bring you on. Yeah. We wanted people to hear about your story founding this company. We're going to talk a whole heck of a lot about Robotty, which is something that I think a lot of our listeners know that I've been on now for five months. I have lost 30 pounds in five months. It's actually... It's not even about looks, and we're going to get all into that because I'm as vain as the next guy on TV. I did start podcasting because people would say to me after 12 years on CNBC, like, you got a real face for podcasting. It really is about the health. We've talked about this. We talk a lot about it being a jetpack for people. You guys do. their health. Yeah, internally. People, there is the appearance benefit. People do talk about weight loss, but it has been for people who have... And we can, we'll get into it. It it does serve as this really amazing positive force where people can pick up momentum where they haven't before. And yes, they lose weight, but they also start exercising more. They start sleeping better, transforms their whole life. All of the above. We're going to get to all that. It's interesting though, because you are the sort of founder, you actually, you keep a very low key. You're not on social media, but a lot of folks know you because 
they would see you in your ads. Oh, and for years, yeah. they've yeah. seen you. Ad. And <laughs> actually, my favorite ads are actually of you and your amazing wife, Cleo. And better half. Yes, right. definitely better half. I was going to say much better half, but she's amazing. You're amazing. Let's talk about how you started the company, okay? Yeah. Because again, you were out there and people would see you on these ads. And so let's go, let's take a step back. You're a young man. You started this company how long ago? And you've been at this five and a half, almost six wow. years now. Yeah. yeah, maybe I'll give like the quick 30 seconds on Roe and then share how we started. But very simply, Roe helps patients achieve their healthcare goals in the most effective and convenient way. So patients come to us and they say, I want to lose weight. And we have a comprehensive weight loss program. I want to have a child and we have fertility products and services. And we've done that by seamlessly integrating a doctor's office, pharmacy, and labs all through the lens of what patients want to achieve. And over the last now five and a half years have helped over 2 million patients and one in every single county across the U.S. How do we get started? And I can tell this story now with a big smile on my face, but not a ton of smiles throughout the process, only in retrospect. But everyone is doing okay. Everyone's alive. Everyone's happy and healthy. But every single person in my immediate family, myself included, has had some life-threatening illness at some point in time. So my dad's had four heart attacks and a stroke. He's also a doctor, which is relevant. I'll share why in a second. My mom has a neurological disease. My sister, who's the biggest warrior of all of us, she's a two-time cancer survivor and has an autoimmune disease. And I have a congenital heart condition and had a heart procedure when I was 18 years old. And my dad, at some point in time, has saved each one of our lives. And there's something really powerful when your dad is your doctor. And I think that in addition to, and this is the biggest difference, and I think this is a premise that Roe was founded on, and I am very certain that a therapist would have a lot to say about what I'm about to say, because in some ways I think I'm trying to recreate my dad with software, keep him alive forever. But when your dad is your doctor, yes, they care about your overall health, but they also really do so in service of you living a happy and fulfilled life. So when I had a heart procedure when I was 18, and one of the side effects of my heart medication was erectile dysfunction, my dad both cared about my health and my ability to live a really long life. He also cared that his 18-year-old was unable to be intimate and enjoy that aspect of his life. And so I think right now, if you think about the healthcare system in general, it's very much based around institutions. It's inward, outward, right? So it's based on health systems or insurance companies or PBMs, and they are the ones who generally control how the healthcare system works and functions. But the best healthcare in the world, which people who either have extraordinary means or people who grow up with a healthcare provider as a dad, they experience a different type of healthcare that we're trying to bring to everyone at Row, and they experience the type of healthcare what we refer to as goal-oriented healthcare. So we think the best healthcare in the world is goal-oriented healthcare, where a patient comes in and they say what they want to achieve. Versus if you look at both how the traditional healthcare system works and even how wave sort of 1.0 of digital healthcare companies worked, they were always saying, oh, we'll be your doctor or we'll be your lab or we'll be your pharmacy. And those are all features. Those are all features like in service of what, right? And so where one of our biggest insights was we're actually going to abstract that complexity of whether a patient needs to see this doctor or this doctor. And do they need to go to a doctor, then, a, then the lab, then the, back to the doctor, then to the pharmacy, whatever it may be. We're actually going to say, come to us if you have this problem and you want this outcome, right? Come to us if you want to lose weight, have a child, have better sex, improve your skin, improve your mental health, whatever it may be, and we'll take on all the complexity thereafter. And that's how actually the best healthcare in the world functions, right? So wealthy people, when they walk into a doctor, they say, here's what I want to achieve, here's the life I want to live. 
And then through shared decision-making with you and your provider, usually you figure out a plan and have to navigate that. So our whole philosophy is how can we take that luxury of goal-oriented healthcare and turn it into a commodity that anyone can access? So you described something that I think a lot of listeners are very familiar with, unless you go to the highest end concierge sort of doctors, right? And you're paying through that, you're for that through the nose. There's this labyrinth that exists right now. And so I've heard you speak about this as like the most important stakeholder in this whole thing is you, right? Yeah. And now let's call them consumers. I know that sounds odd, but- yeah, Consumers, customers. So let's call them yeah. customers or yeah. consumers. Like when they're coming to you, they're actually a lot more sophisticated than let's say prior generations have about yep. this. And they have some very clear ideas about what they want to achieve. So you've basically gone about a vertical approach to this. So talk to me a little bit about that because A, I've experienced it and I have just an amazing story. I don't know if I've ever told you about my experience when I started reading because I'm sitting in, fast money and we look at different companies and then we look at the big healthcare companies, whether they be the pharma companies or the service providers or this or whatever, or the, the pharmacy companies. I started reading about these, these weight loss drugs, these GLP-1s. Yeah. I happened to be going to not a real high-end concierge doctor. And I remember asking about it. And this is a guy who doesn't take insurance and every doctor that he recommends you doesn't take it. It seems like yeah. a pretty good racket, man. And when I asked him about this, the Lily one in particular, because yeah. it was a story that on CNBC, we kept on talking about, I started reading yeah. about it more. He said, no, I wouldn't take that, yeah. which was amazing. And you know what I did? I called you yeah. and we started talking about it, but yeah. we're going to get to that. So talk to me about this labyrinth, because going back to your dad in a way, and you yeah. just said that he was obviously very important to your care. Is this like, how did you guys decide like to do this? Because was it yeah. his frustration also as a doctor within this system? Absolutely. That frustration, if we had to point out like the single largest reason why that frustration exists, it's generally because patients don't control the flow of money. And when you talk about consumers, it's interesting because consumers aren't always the customer. The customer is who's ever paying for the product or service. And most frequently in the healthcare system, patients are not paying for the product or service. And what that means is that they aren't the ones that get to determine what good looks like. And generally, companies don't have to compete over who can best serve patients. That's why we started in cash pay. It's where we started, but not where we ever intended on ending. And yes, we've talked a lot about being frustrated with the insurance-based system. But the reason that we entered into the insurance-based system, and happy to also talk about why we vertically integrated the business, but the very, very short answer is that our philosophy is always to try and deliver the most effective and most convenient healthcare experience and vertical integration of a national digital doctor's office where the majority of our doctors are actually salaried full-time providers. Our, we have five plus pharmacies distributed throughout the country and we own and operate our own CLIA certified and CAP accredited lab and service of at-home lab tests. Those are, in our mind, three of the largest core components of care delivery and integrating and seamlessly integrating them when, to your point, normally it's a labyrinth and those are normally extremely disconnected. Connecting them all through the lens of what a patient wanted to achieve lets us deliver that extremely convenient and extremely effective experience. In this instance, with these GLP-1s, which we launched the BODY program and would love to talk about it, it's high the BODY program is high-quality obesity care centered around GLP-1s. So it includes one-to-one -one video chats with your doctor, one-to-one -one coaching with a nurse, an educational curriculum, smart-scale weight tracking, labs, really ongoing high quality obesity care centered around, again, the, these new treatments. But never before in our history, whether or not we accepted insurance, did that determine whether or not we were able to offer the most effective solution. And when these new weight loss medications came out, 
they, from a cash pay perspective, for the vast majority of the population, they are too expensive to just be. Some people do pay cash, but to primarily be cash pay. And so for us, again, it's always been in service of convenience and efficacy. And in this instance, that's why we've taken on the burden of what we refer to as the insurance concierge to help people maximize their chances of coverage. As to the drugs themselves, we can talk endlessly here. So whichever. Well, let's talk about going back to your family situation. So again, your dad who had a bunch of health issues, your mom and a fantastic that everyone's healthy and all that sort of stuff. But so you guys had to navigate all of these things. And so what did you start with the concept of row to begin with? Like you obviously wanted to simplify this for, for consumers, whatever. So you started with ED drugs. Yep. I was customer number one. We started with Roman and we started narrowly with treatment for erectile dysfunction online. And the goal there was if you want to have better sex. And so that was something that I had personal experience with. My dad was an expert in sexual health, but also infectious diseases. I grew up around that and both had a personal experience. And so in the beginning, when, whenever you're building a product or service, it is not a prerequisite, but it's very helpful if you can be customer number one, because you can make a lot of intuitive decisions that you're building a product for yourself. So that's where we started. We started as Roman and we've since transitioned to Roe. The primary reason that we did that, and this I think is a little bit different than traditional D2C, the most simple reason why we transitioned from Roman to Roe is that the human body doesn't have walls. And so we needed a singular brand where you could get all of your healthcare needs and you could be seen holistically. And what's very interesting about that is traditional D2C, like when you buy a product, if you were to buy that shirt and that pants from the same place, it doesn't inherently make that shirt or that pant any better at its individual job, right? There's no single player network effect there. But there is single player network effects when you use the Google ecosystem or the Apple ecosystem. There is no greater opportunity to have a single player network effect than your healthcare because there are no walls between your body, right? Your diet, your exercise routine, your medications, your supplements, all of those are instruments in a larger orchestra. And unless you can look at a patient holistically, you ultimately can't have, you can start with a point solution, but you can't have the ultimate impact that you want. And so for us, it was essential as we added more products and services, as we added more capabilities, as we widened the demographic of patients who signed up. So, right, we started with ED, but we expanded to more broadly to sexual health, We expanded to fertility, we expanded to dermatology, we expanded to metabolic health, which the body program sits under. And as we did that, what ended up happening is now the majority of people that sign up to row every single day are women. And so the Roman brand will always be and is a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal brand, but row is the place where anyone of any sex, gender, race, whatever health goal they have, they can come to row, start with what they want, and then we take on the complexity to help them achieve that healthcare. So let's talk about the metabolic health. Okay, where row body fits. And again, I actually have been, since I met you that day, playing 2048 and realized what you did and how smart you were, I started going on. I think you actually ordered some of your product right there. You put down 2048, you did grab my phone and I downloaded the app and pretty soon I was a row customer. That sounds like something else. No, yeah. it did, yeah. No, um, so, so let's talk about the holistic nature of the metabolic health. And yeah. then we can get to my experience with row body a bit. Because to me, again, I was one of these people who 
going to the doctor was really annoying, right? It is annoying unless you have somebody who's really coordinating this sort of stuff for 100%. you. And so for me, you it's know, it's a doctor and it's the lab and it's the pharmacy and it's knowing which to go to. And, and, what. and if you have a busy you have schedule to, and you put things off, and you got to wait 30 days, all of that. Yeah. Let's talk about this because this seems mm-hmm. like about as, as broad of an offering is in the life cycle of yeah. your company. That's that right. you, and so why was this the right time? Why was this the right kind of focus as far as, because it really is about obesity. And I think that you and I've had this conversation, the stigma in and around obesity is something that a lot of maybe individuals don't really want to approach or a lot of organizations Mm -hmm. don't want to put in front of potential customers. Why was this something that you guys felt this was the time and this was the product to do this? There's so much here. There's the stigma attached to obesity. There's why we entered the category. And then there's the, the program itself. In terms of how we entered. So we actually first entered weight loss and obesity about three years ago with a product called Plenity, which is an FDA-approved device for weight management. And we helped about 150,000 people start their weight loss journey. While doing that, they saw the, and we saw, and our customers saw these new innovative GLP-1s coming out, and they asked for them. And so first and foremost, I think, and I probably drank the YC Kool-Aid at a very young age. I did it just out of college. And they basically had two rules, which was like write code and talk to users. So build and talk to customers. And our customers were telling us that this is a solution that they wanted. At the same time, I saw my dad, who has struggled with his weight his entire life. I saw him lose 40 pounds. And I saw his diabetes under control. On a GLP-1? On Ozempic. Okay. How long ago was that? It was about two years ago. Okay. So that was like really early because I don't really recall other than for diabetes, seeing it being advertised or people Mm -hmm. talking about it as this kind of weight loss wonder drug. Yeah, absolutely. So GLP-1s themselves have been around for 18 years, relatively safe efficacy and side effect profiles. We have really rich data on it. There's of course still unknowns, but Generally speaking, the long-term effects is. A, a, we have two decades yeah, worth yeah, of safety which is data, good, which as far is pretty as drugs, good. Yeah. yeah, which is as far as drugs go. I think if you ask the scientist, do we know what happens in 50 years? They would say, we don't know what happens in 50 years until 50 years from now. So that is always going to be the case. But we do have, I think, strong data to suggest that for some, but not all, the benefits outweigh the risks. But that's a decision that people should obviously make in conjunction with their doctor. Is this an easier conversation to have? Because if you're thinking about things like obesity and all of the other issues that come with it, as far yeah. as diabetes and heart attack, you know, the list goes on and on. The benefits versus the risks are really simple, despite not having 20, 30-year-old data like on the drugs. I think so. It's obviously always a person's individual choice, but we have never ever seen, I think the really exciting and powerful thing here. So just going back as to how we got into it, I saw it have this impact on my dad where he had struggled with his weight his entire life and nothing had worked, no amount of, and he's a doctor. He knew exactly, quote unquote, like what to do. And this man has a tremendous amount of willpower and self-discipline. And I knew those things to be true, but also saw that he was unable to lose and keep the weight off. And so, except for having used these medications. And so one of the biggest misunderstandings with obesity, and this is where I think the stigma primarily stems from, is that people view it as a failure of willpower or self-discipline. And there are very few, if any, there are very few, of course, there's always a couple examples, but there's very few healthcare conditions that are as prevalent It's actually none as prevalent, but there are very few healthcare conditions where when you see someone, you immediately make a snap judgment about their character. And so if someone has overweight or has obesity and you see them, generally society falsely views that person as making certain decisions that it is their fault that they got there. And like any other chronic disease, which is amazing to me that we're not able to separate these. 
But like any other chronic disease, there's incredibly important genetic, environmental, and there are obviously behavioral factors as well. And so that I think is the primary reason behind this stigma. The reason, and this isn't a new problem, right? Obesity rates have been climbing for the last 40, 50 years and since the late 70s, early 80s. But the reason why it's in the zeitgeist now is because for the first time, we have both a scalable and effective solution. Bariatric surgery incredibly are incredibly effective. Only 250,000 of those are done every year. So you would need about 100 years to get everyone who needs that surgery, that surgery at current rates. And so here you have the potential, again, granted cost is a separate discussion, but just from a form factor perspective, and we can get into injectables and orals and all this difference. But for the first time in our history, we have a drug that the majority of the U.S. population is clinically eligible for, needs, deserves, I would argue, and wants. And that's going to put a ton of pressure on the healthcare system. It's going to put pressure on employers, on insurance companies. It'll highlight where the incentives are really distorted, but it also has the potential and can talk about some of the new drugs that were released last week, or at least some of the early trials. I genuinely think it has the potential 5, 10, 15 years from now to truly eliminate obesity. And the reason that's important is obesity is upstream of eight out of the 10 leading causes of death. It is so early and associated with basically what some people refer to as the four horsemen of death, which is a morbid concept, but cardiovascular disease, metabolic dysfunction, neurodegenerative disease, and certain types of cancers. We've been begging for a solution to preventative health. And the reason that we haven't ever been able to align what a patient wants, as we talked about earlier, with what healthcare providers and the insurance companies and the health systems really want as well, we've never had overlap. We've never had overlap. Humans want that instant gratification, that instant result. And they have busy lives, right? People have kids and a mortgage. It's hard to think about heart disease and wait 30 years from now. But this is for the first time where both what a patient wants in the present is also ideal for their future. A year and a half ago, I'd never heard of these drugs. Yeah. Okay, never heard of them. And then it became a thing, I guess, on social, on, yeah. on TikTok a little bit. And then maybe there was some celebs or there was efficacy. some like thing. All right, so the efficacy is obviously, it's data, right? Yeah. So like, for instance, that's something that a lot of folks can figure out. Yeah. But then when you start seeing Charles Barkley, yeah. like literally melting in front of your face over the course of an NBA season yeah. and look really fit from a guy who's, oh man, that guy better watch the next cheeseburger he eats or something like that. And I'm not making light of that. That's stuff that like I felt like one of the reasons why I wanted to make this move is like, I was starting to feel uncomfortable. I was 50 years old. I'm 6'2". I was 225 pounds. I'd never been that. And you could say you weren't obese. You know what I mean? But let me tell you something. I'm on CNBC all week long and everything like that. And like the things that people were saying to me because they don't like my call on Apple or Tesla about my looks is something that's really nasty when you think about it. So it wasn't just that, obviously. And again, I don't read a whole heck of a lot of that. I think my kids are are happy to share some of those things (laughs) with me or whatever. Every once in a while, they would go and Google me. But I was starting to feel uncomfortable. I was starting to worry about those four horsemen of death again at my age or whatever. And so for me, that was one of those moments where oh my God, I'm starting to see this data and I'm starting to actually see it have a real effect on people. Is that the thing? Why is there a switch that just got flipped? It seems at least in our country right now. It's the pairing of the efficacy with, I think, the fact that we are disproving the other methods. In terms of the debate around and conversation around obesity, a lot of people mistake the techniques that you traditionally use to prevent obesity and the techniques that you use to treat obesity, right? So Diet and exercise, phenomenal for your overall health, great tools of preventing obesity. They have not been proven across the entire globe to sustainably 
lead to significant and durable weight loss at a rate that is sufficient from a population perspective, given the clinical outcomes that we're striving for. And so people have been told that they just need to diet and exercise. Professors and doctors could give you an hour lecture on, if not more, and there are books written about this topic, but why it's so much easier to gain weight than it is to lose weight. Your body is fighting the fact that you're trying to lose weight. The most simple way to say it is that it's fighting the fact that it's trying to protect against weight loss, but less so weight gain. We've never had to. For think about it from an evolutionary perspective, all the things, we can go down that, that rabbit hole. The fact that people have been sold diet, exercise, and all these things that don't really work to treat obesity, it's almost like trying, I think, this wonderful analogy by Dr. Lou Aroni. He says, it's not using the tools that are most effective or most available to us is like, treating lung cancer with a smoking cessation program. It's not, gonna, it's not gonna work. Once someone already has this thing, talking about smoking cessation is not gonna work. So you have that paired with the fact that it worked and the fact that it works on so many people, I do think highlights the fact that it isn't just a matter of willpower. This is updating people's biological processes and their metabolic processes. It's impacting the reward centers in their brain. It's decreasing their appetite, regulating their sugar levels, doing all these amazing things. But the sheer efficacy of this is why you're seeing. With CME Group's micro-sized futures and options, you can access the same transparency and liquidity of the benchmark contracts with less upfront financial commitment. Diversify your portfolio and manage your exposure with the flexibility of CME Group micro-contracts in crypto, metals, FX, energy, and equity indices. Learn more about what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com micros. iConnections is the world's largest capital introduction platform in the alternative investment industry. iConnections membership-only platform brings together the asset management community, providing allocators and managers with the opportunity to connect both physically and virtually. With an impressive network of over 4,000 allocators and 900 managers, their community oversees an astounding $48 trillion and $16 trillion in assets, respectively iConnections is also the driving force behind the alternative investment industry's most renowned in-person events. We invite you to join iConnections at their upcoming event, Salt iConnections in New York, taking place on May 20th through the 21st at the Glass House in New York City. This two-day event is packed with one-on-one cap intro meetings and content. To explore more about iConnections events and gain access to their members-only platform, Visit iConnections.io. SoFi, the all-in-one super app for banking, borrowing, and investing. Earn industry-leading APY, get great loan rates, and trade stocks. SoFi, get your money right. Banking products and loans offered by SoFi Bank NA, NMLS 696891. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. All right, so let's talk about my experience a little bit and then let's talk about where we are today because I know a ton of people who want to be on this yeah. and can't get the drug. Yeah. And I know that you guys have been out there. I know you wrote a blog post. Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes. This mm-hmm. was a few weeks ago. There's nationwide shortage of yeah, some of these drugs and there's a lot of things going on. Part of it for me is how easy it was. Again, I filled out a form on row on the app. I was paired with a doctor. I, there were telehealth engagement right there. I was also 
kind of given, I, I guess, a licensed nurse practitioner to work with the process. Yeah. I was prescribed. Blood tests. Okay. So at-home blood test was mm -hmm. sent to me. Yeah. I did it in 20 minutes. I sent it back. That was a big part of the diagnosis yep. of that. Then I was prescribed the drug. Then you guys worked with my insurance company. I can tell you that because we, my family has also had lots of doings, as you know, with uh, health insurance for a whole host of health issues with some of our family members. It's not an easy process. Yeah, it's not something that people want to sign on to do. So for me, it was this one-stop shop over the course of, I want to say a couple weeks or so, yeah. if I'm thinking about it, which if I were doing doctors and I was going to labs and I was doing all this yeah. stuff on my own and dealing with insurance, it might've been something that I just fell down we with. We can do right? it all on your sense? own terms. If it took you, let's say two to four weeks to go through the whole process, the whole onboarding process, but it probably took you cumulatively 45 minutes of your time. So you can do it on your terms. You can do it from the comfort of your home. You can also go to Quest if you prefer, but we're going to do a tremendous amount of work in the background. Well, you guys that. did most of the work, okay? Yeah. And so here's the thing, and I'm on it, and I'm not lying to you. Like I saw after three weeks, I went to a conference where a lot of people in my industry were and people that I might not have seen in person in a very long time. Yeah. And people are already telling me, dude, are you working out? What yeah. are you doing? Three weeks, yeah. okay? So here I am. Five months later, and yeah. I'm literally, I think I'm at my playing weight from college yeah. in the 90s. I haven't been 195 since I mean, then. We talked about this offline since we're friends, but you have done, I think, an amazing job here where, yes, you've been on the program and you used the medication and you're leveraging the nurse and the team. You've also really embraced the whole concept of eating better, sleeping better, and exercising. You're sending me pictures of 7.30 a.m. you on the treadmill. Yeah. And so I think it is... But it's my life coach right here. You're able to do that. As you saw in the beginning, you had what a lot of people talk about. You have the food noise that's quiet, that's really quieted, which people talk a lot about. They don't have this constant drive in their head, this voice in their head. Then they're able to eat less. They're able to get a little bit of progress where maybe they're sleeping more. Then they're able to exercise. They feel they, they eat less again. And they're able to get this positive momentum where they're decreasing energy intake and increasing energy expenditure. But they're also doing it in such a healthy way where that's, I think, one of the most amazing things is people who have struggled, who have tried a bunch of different things. And I'm sure, and we've talked about these, tried a zillion different things. You've tried all of the things that people have told you to try for the last 30 years. And you're extremely smart. The fact is, I think you, once you got a little bit of momentum, and so it's really served as a jetpack, I think, for you to just live an overall far healthier. Right. So what do you say to people, say you're cheating? Okay. Because I have people uh, yeah. say this to me, like yeah. in jest a little yeah. bit. And I want to just put a fine point on all this. I am sleeping better. I am eating better. Yeah. I am drinking less. Yeah. I have a lot more energy. Yeah. I don't find myself nodding off like late afternoons or if I like have a quiet moment, I'm trying to read something or whatever. Yeah. It's like night and day. Yeah. So many life decisions have just changed at 50 years old. So if that's cheating, yeah. then I'm saying, no, man, that, that's like a life hack in a way. And I tell people, they're like, what do you do? You're going to take a shot forever. And I want to get into some of the orals yeah. and some of the other stuff. I'm like, dude, I will take this forever. I take statins. I take this, that, whatever. Now, here's the other thing. All of my levels on all the things that my doctors have been yeah. tracking are getting better. Yeah. So like, like so, so for me, it's like, I won't shut up about it. Yeah. I will shut up about it because I want to hear what you have to say. But what do you say to people who say, isn't this like cheating a little cheating bit? Cheating in service of what? Yeah. Like, what are you cheating? Well, that's, well, that's what kind of the cheating? point. Like, getting healthier. But like, that's like, what I want to know. Yeah. What are you cheating at? Yeah. I don't understand the question fully because I don't know what you're like. Well, rather than really what, doing what the diet and doing the hard work as but it you're, takes you're to doing exercise all of those and stuff like You're that. doing but, those things as well. I think that the huge problem that people have is they want it to be an or. The simple answer is yes and, meaning I'm going to take this and I'm going to eat better and I'm going to exercise. 
From a doctor's perspective, if a patient comes to a doctor and they have certain tools at their disposal, maybe they have a statin, and the patient needs their help, are they not going to prescribe a statin because that person may in the future have a cheeseburger? Of course not. Would the doctor prefer if that person also made healthy lifestyle choices? Of course, but they would never withhold the tools in their tool belt. Ideally, someone does multiple things related to their health, not just one. So in my mind, I think that the question largely misunderstands that this is a neurohormonal progressive and relapsing disease. They largely don't understand the science behind it. And the second is cheating in service of what, to your point, a healthier life. As far as going off the medication, to me, there are very few medications, and it's where when you go off it, you continue to see the efficacy of it, whether you're taking statin or you're taking medication for your blood pressure. Besides a few infections or infectious diseases or whatever it may be, other than that, like you're pretty much going to con- need to continue to take a medication to see its use, to see its efficacy. And this is no different. And in fact, that very fact should highlight to people that this is actually updating people's metabolic processes on an ongoing basis. It is a disease that needs treatment and there's nothing wrong. So it's interesting. So I have some experience of this. One of the other things that, that I get is pushback is, oh man, taking a shot. You do that yourself. This and other. Yeah. So I've been taking Humira for six years. Mm-hmm. Six years ago, I was diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis and I, it was really painful. And it was something yeah. that I didn't understand what it was. It took about six months yeah. to figure it out. I well, tried. I guess people uh, didn't call you a cheater. For no, you. Well, and that's a good point. But I tried some different drugs that, that different doctors had prescribed. And finally, Humira is a wonder drug. There's a reason. It seems like these GLP-1s are going to overtake Humira as like the biggest blockbuster. So for me, 95% of my symptoms from psoriatic arthritis have gone away from Humira. Why would I ever stop? You know what I mean? So I get all that. And I want to make one other point. So the doctor, this concierge doctor, this was maybe, I want to say 14 months ago or so, when I asked him about these drugs, because I started reading about them, He's also the guy, and I'm not going to name names or anything like that. I had just had COVID for probably like the fourth time or something like that. And I took that antiviral. Yeah. And I told him that. He was like, why would you take that? That was his yeah. response to that. Yeah. And I had an easy COVID, like yeah. the easiest COVID I had yeah. after taking that. So I just wanted to put some context yeah. in and around that. All right. So let's talk about this now. Because so many people that I know are yeah. seeing this thing really work, yeah. okay? And obviously I have a lot of friends who've come into the Row Body Program yeah. and stuff because they've been hearing we me talk that. about it. The ease of it, there's also, and you've been at the forefront of this, there's shortages, okay? There's so let's really talk about this. Yeah. And this seems like a, something that's causing some frustration yep. among people yep. who wanna be on it. It's yep. causing frustration throughout this labyrinth that we've talked about that you guys have actually yep. verticalized and made yep. it easier. But what what's going on right now and how should people think about if they are want to come and take these sorts of drugs and get on this sort of program. Yeah. What's the timetable here looking like? The shortage, it's tr- It's really unfortunate and it's impacting patients. It's impacting providers. It's impacting pharmacies. I think it, to your point, it highlights the need for the treatment. Happy to talk about what we're doing in the near term and then the long term, as you talked about injectables and orals and sort of the pipeline and why. Hopefully this is a 2023 problem and not beyond for patients. But the immediate steps we took is, and there are, actually, let me take it back, stay back and step back and articulate what is in shortage. And Nova Nordisk is the drug manufacturer for both Ozempic and Wagovi. And both of those are the same active ingredient of semaglutide at different doses. Ozempic is approved for type 2 diabetes. Wagovi is FDA approved for weight loss under certain circumstances. I'm happy to describe the label if, if that's helpful. So Novo has said that the initial doses of Wagovi, so 0.25, 0.5, and 1 milligram are in short supply. And the reason that's important is because patients actually need to start at a very low dose. And 
There is a typical titration schedule over the course of four to five months. Different patients will experience slower or faster ramp-ups depending on their own individual experience and, again, how they're experiencing side effects. But generally, they need to titrate up. And so if the initial doses are in shortage, it makes it very, very challenging for patients to start treatment as well as maintain treatment at the cadence that they need. So it's a once-weekly injection. So what we did when we, were, when we saw the data and we saw the shortage start to take hold is we immediately turned off all top-of-funnel advertising, no TV, no radio. We stopped all ads with the word Wagovi in it. We started increasing calls to the pharmacy 5, 10, 15 times for certain patients. We started issuing credits for anyone who wasn't able to pick up their medication within 30 days. We started prioritizing Ozempic where clinically appropriate because there isn't a shortage there. We added another drug called Sixenda to, the form, to our formulary, also made by Nova Nordisk. You might be sensing a trend here. That's a daily injection where patients see about 9% weight loss over the course of a year. There's certain benefits and there's also certain frustrations to that with the daily injection and overall less weight loss. And then we've proactively messaged patients both before, it's on our landing page, as well as right after they sign up. We've given them the option to basically, if clinically appropriate, again, all assuming clinically appropriate, where they can potentially start on Wagovi, but we are very upfront with the fact that there might be delays or... They can, again, if clinically appropriate, start on Sixenda, and then in the future, when the shortage is over, we would be able to transition. And them there's over no issues with that starting on one drug and then moving to another. It totally depends on the individual patient and provider. It is possible, but it's obviously not something that we would be able to guarantee for every single patient. And this is something that every healthcare provider, every healthcare is provider, would navigate sort of and right. face. And we see it whether you go to your PCP or whether you go to Row. So w- there are only certain, there are only so much in our control. We try to take on as much of that complexity as possible by adding more drugs to the formulary, crediting patients, doing whatever we can. But this is going to be a challenging moment. And so I would say, if someone right now is they are dead set on Wagovi. And they're not open to a daily GLP-1 and they don't think that they would be clinically eligible for Ozempic. I, I think that starting right now, and I even hate to say this because I know patients have been waiting so long for this type of treatment, it's a harder time to start now because it is difficult to guarantee consistent and reliable access to that medication. Novo has said that by September they expect the shortage to subside. I'm not yet convinced that's the case. So I think we're going to see just because there's such unprecedented demand, I think we're going to see shortages through the end of the year. But Eli Lilly has a drug that's approved for type 2 diabetes called Munjaro. And that is expected to be approved for weight loss. Patients do actually see slightly more weight loss on that. And so there, then there will be two manufacturers in this space. And there's going to be more. Pfizer's working on one. AstraZeneca was working on one. Boring Ingelheim is working on them. And there are more. So some of the biggest companies in the world are all attacking this space. And so my hope is that will both lead to a reduction in supply shortages, but also price compression over time, which is incredibly exciting. And the newer versions of these drugs, the really exciting part is they are more effective and there are oral and injectable options. Right. So some of the newer drugs released some of the results of the phase two trial. Eli Lilly had a drug called Triple G, a nickname Triple G. The phase, the results of phase two were released on Monday. Patients saw 25% weight loss on average. A fourth of patients saw more than 30%. They saw reductions in LDL, A1C, blood pressure, increases in HDL. And one of the most amazing things is in 2007, generally the community has identified effective weight loss treatments as those that lead to or clinically meaningful weight loss as those that in 30% of patients lead to 
5% weight loss. This drug saw 100%. Every single person in the trial lost at least 5% of their body weight, clinically meaningful weight loss. That's never happened before. And so we are at the very, very beginning of this cardiometabolic revolution. And I don't think it's an overstatement to say that this is an inevitability that let's just use, let's use something absurd. 30 years from now, these things will, whether they're injectables or orals, now obviously there are benefits to orals, we're we'll ha- we'll happy to talk about that, but they should be at a cost and a price point that they should be accessible to everyone and we can genuinely eliminate obesity. Now, that might be 30 years from now. So the question becomes a society, which I think everyone's missing the point on, hey, these are too expensive, employees shouldn't cover them, all these different things. We should instead be challenging ourselves and to say, okay, how do we compress time? How do we turn this luxury into commodity faster? Because it doesn't cost $1,500 in other countries. It costs $150, right? So if it costs $150, people are like, oh, how do you bring something from $1,500 to $50 or $30 a month? It's a lot easier to bring something that's $150 to $50 or $30 than $1,500. And by the way, no one pays $1,500 for the drug. Not an insurance company, not the only people who pay $1,500 for that drug are patients who pay cash between rebates and all of these different, all of these different things. So a pharma company is probably only getting $500, but the, there's, can, can, can go endlessly there. But the point being is that we started on the shortage, sorry, but you got me going on a subject I'm incredibly passionate about, but the shortage will be a challenge through the summer and potentially longer. And so I, I think people need to explore different options. And if they're open to a potential to either wait and see and be willing to do that or a daily GLP-1, then I think Roe is an amazing place now. If there need to wait, then I would wait. It's funny. I think this could be a purely anecdotal comment. I, I wonder if the shortage, and again, being really clear, Ozempic, which is FDA approved for diabetes, yep. and Wagovi, that's where the shortage is. There's that's, not an Ozempic shortage. That's right. That's where it's the weight loss, Wagovi shortage. That's the issue. And I wonder if it's seasonal a little bit. I, is spring into summer or something like that? Some folks, I'm just saying like it there might be. be some of that. And then the other I thing. I just I'll, think where it's such it's, yeah, it's, low penetration that seasonality will be far outweighed by the fact that, again, I think this breaks people's brains. Literally, the majority of the U.S. population is eligible for this drug. That has never happened. The other thing I would just say is that Rick and I had a conversation on the pod two weeks ago, and we were talking about some of this. And over at Firstmark, they like to invest in megatrends. And what you just said is pretty fascinating. This is a multi-decade megatrend getting everybody in the world who actually have obesity, like getting on this drug. So when you think about this moment in time where we are right now, and you think about how long these drugs have been approved for obesity, we're literally talking about the first pitch in the first inning, if you will. And so I guess it's just important for everyone. There's new articles every day in the publications that I read about these drugs, whether it's the Times, the Wall Street Journal, and a whole host of obviously very medical. The New York Post has a ball talking about all this stuff or whatever. I just think there's a lot of emotions about it right now. I think everyone should probably chill out a little bit because it's all coming. Does that make sense? Well, it is. I want less chill out. And the main reason I do is because I think it is absolutely absurd how expensive it is. But it's amazing to me that we don't call out like why that is. There's really great examples here of when statins first came out, they were about $8,000 a year in today's dollars. And New York Times wrote, this is going to revolutionize heart disease treatment. And now you can get a year supply of statins for 30 bucks. As soon as we can see that, and if you truly follow the case history of statins, Pfizer, 10 years after statins were first invented in the late 90s, they released Lipitor, which before Humira was the number one selling drug of all time, before it was eclipsed. And what they did is they had a more effective statin and they released it at a lower price. And it shocked the pharma world. But 
competition will lead to that price compression. And the size of this market is leading to the largest companies in the world all vying for this. And that is the best news for patients. But unfortunately, it takes time. And I think that we both need government pressure. I do think we need government pressure. I think we've seen that with insulin. But I also think we need competitive dynamics. And normally, competitive dynamics are harder to take hold in the healthcare system because there isn't a massive swell of patient demand. But here, there will be like something that we talk a lot about, Roe, is never bet against the patient. There will be a massive groundswell of people pounding the table, begging their employers to cover this. And we've run surveys with the Obesity Action Coalition about how people will view their employers, but depending on whether they cover this or not. And this might be relevant for listeners, which is about 50% of people said they would stay at a job they hated if they would cover their GLP-1s. And 44% said they would quit. They'd literally leave their job if they knew that another job would cover it. And so I think that what we saw with mental health and fertility and the massive increase in coverage from employers over the last five, 10 years, I think is going to be very indicative, but doesn't even scratch the surface of the demand that you're going to see in terms of the number of your employees that are going to be impacted by this and how important it is to them. It's unlike anything that I've ever seen before. Yeah, no, it's a, it clearly seems like one of these things that is on the precipice of really changing lives. And when I meant like everyone needs to chill out because there just seems a lot of hype. There's a lot of finger pointing. There's a oh, lot way of things. That, that, that's what I meant no, in a way. Of course. And so I'm like, when I think about markets and I think about these things, if I, let's just say I wasn't a candidate for this and let's yeah. say I was not on the Roe yeah. Body program. Okay. And I'm sitting on Fast Money each night and they give us a rundown of the things that we're going to be talking yeah. about. And I send you a lot of the clips because we've had yeah. doctors, we've had analysts, we've had lots yeah. of people in the thing. I hope you'll come on the show. It's one of those things that is captivated, the, at least the investing world, for people yeah. who are looking for big trends who are not normally, let's say, pharma investors or something like that. So I know that when we have these hype cycles, we always look back and be like, man, everyone needed to, that's why I was saying, yeah. chill out. Yeah. Although it's going to be a moment in time. That's my point. And then you settle into the normal dynamics, whether it's like supply demand, whether it's supply 100%. chain stuff, whether it's like normal. Injectables you know, or orals. Right. All Let, let's hit, because we got to get out of here in a couple of minutes. Let's talk about the oral thing. Because again, I said, one of the pushbacks I hear from people is like, oh, you have to take a shot, yeah. right? I don't like shots. Yeah. And I hate going to the doctor to get a shot. There's no way I'm going to give myself yeah. a shot. I tell everybody, I brought it in for our interns and just showed yeah. them. I literally went like this, did it, and seven seconds I was done, exactly. and I didn't even feel it, okay? But the oral stuff, does this potentially change the game? Is it a pricing thing? Will it drive down the pricing? If all of the major pharma companies are getting into this, is it the thing that makes these drugs accessible for the masses, no matter what you're diagnosed with and prescribed for? I think over time, it's a very important option and it'll be essential for some of the reasons that you just described. So some patients, if we just break down like why injectables versus orals, the reason that some patients are reluctant is because they have to inject themselves, right? So an oral option will be fantastic for them, but also small molecule drugs, these tablet drugs are far less expensive to make and they don't have to be cold chain shipped. So you can scale production far more and it's less expensive and they have a longer shelf life. So just like from a sheer good perspective, it wins in terms of a lot of, on a lot of different criteria. The challenge, and it really depends on this is where the individual patient is, they are thus far, and again, this is where I'm sure there will be continued innovation, they're less effective. So you have orals right now, 
that have come out that said recently last week that had phase two or early trials that said 15% weight loss, which is on par with Wagovi. And some of the initial orals had eating restrictions around them. Some of the newer ones don't. So it's once a day instead of twice a day, current ones are twice a day, but once a day instead of twice, no eating restrictions, 15% weight loss. So if you were just stack up Wagovi right now versus some of these new orals coming out soon, one is a pill that you take once a day. So 365 times a year or 50 times, 50 times a year. Certain people will prefer one versus another. But what you're starting to see is some of the injectables, they stay in your system longer. They don't get broken down by your digestive system. Those are the ones that have been most effective. So it's going to be, we are a ways away right now from seeing orals have 25, 30% weight loss. But again, not everyone, we've talked about this, not everyone needs to lose 30% of their body weight. Some people don't. And so I think what you're going to see with more and more of these options is you're going to see that some are better at lowering A1C and weight loss. Some are better at not al- liver disease. Some are better at blood pressure. Some don't increase your heart rate as much. And you're going to see all of these differences between them in addition to the difference in weight loss where a patient will be able to come in, a doctor will be able to look at them and personalize what form factor based on their preference, but also efficacy as well as some of the underlying biomarkers that you talked about and what that patient best needs. So it's such an exciting thing because obesity is really, it's a product of our progress, right? It didn't exist really like 100, 150 years ago, but we also lived till 35, 150 years ago. So it sucked. And so we solved a lot of the ways that we normally died from diseases and infections and different things like that. And now chronic diseases are killing us and our hyperpalatable, readily available, affordable food is Really, it's a, obesity, again, it's a product of our progress. We're starting to see the ability to solve that product of our progress as well. And so the amount of impact that it can have on the quality and quantity of hundreds of millions of people, and we're at the very early stage, and people talk about AI and GPT, like I do think the things that are going to have the greatest impact on our world, there will be GPT and GLP over the next 10 years. And it's really, to your point, in terms of the chill out, we're just at the first inning of this massive revolution and it's really exciting space. So last thing, you seem obviously, and I know this personally, but I think anyone listening to this pod can see that you're really passionate for a whole host of reasons. Obviously you built a company where you really wanted to democratize certain things. You wanted to help consumers with this labyrinth of thing that is really frustrating. And it's frustrating to people at a time when they need help the most, right? So, so now you think of this and you say to yourself, okay, I have built this company and you have a great team, all the rowers there and everything. And now you are on the precipice of like maybe a mega trend within the health industry. Talk to me like what you're most excited about as a company as you attack this. And again, this is the first pitch in the first inning. It sounds cheesy, but I saw the impact that it had on my dad's life. I saw him struggle with his weight for 20 years. I saw him have four heart attacks. I saw him have a stroke. I saw him struggle to pick up his grandkids. And I saw him because of who he was and the access to care that he had. I've seen him over the last two years be able to reverse a lot of those trends and be in the best shape and health probably over the last 10 to 15 years. But that luxury is limited to the few. And the idea that when we first started, we were able to democratize what my dad was able to do for me in terms of access to these products and services that changed my life. The idea that what I've seen, the impact that it's had on his life and my relationship with him and our entire family and the impact that it's had, the idea that we would be able to have the potential to bring that to millions of people. And again, it sounds cheesy, but I think it's hard to imagine a problem in the healthcare system that people who obsess over how to have an impact on individual patients' lives every single day It's hard to imagine how we could have a greater impact on more people's lives 
earlier than this program. And that is in no way to diminish our other products and services. I love them and I'm our first customer. But it is something that I think, one, in the present is so incredibly meaningful and we've seen it. But two, that we can spend the next decade working on. And it is both daunting and exciting to work on a problem that you don't see an end in sight to. And I think that's what we're most excited about is like we've been running after trying to find a way to help as many people as possible. And we feel like we can just sink our teeth into this problem for a decade. Listen, I think anyone who's listened to the pod or knows me, I've actually been unable to talk about much else. (laughs) It it really, it's changed my life and the ease in which it's happened. And again, not maybe robotics the cheat code. I don't feel like I'm cheating as far as using the drug, but what I mean, the cheat code of the ease of use of getting on the program and staying on it. And we haven't even talked about the nutrition yeah. specialist and this, that there's a whole host of things. At 50, at 50 I feel like I have hard? a new lease on life. If you I will. love that. You know what I mean? Um, I love that. And what's, yeah. what's fascinating. But I'm not going rooking with you. I know that you. We got to go rooking. No, 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 we got to go rooking. I mean, listen, people, if you're listening to this and you know what rooking is, that. tweet at us or text us or whatever the heck it is that you do. Because I'd never heard of it, but Zach walks all over the city with pounds of weight uh, <laughs> in, in his backpack. And that's what he calls working out. I can't do that at my age. Though. We can do it. We yeah. can start small. Listen, man, I really appreciate it. I appreciate A, our friendship, but B, what you guys have built and my involvement with it, but also your sponsorship and your partnership yeah. with Risk Media. So we're really excited to have you guys as a presenting sponsor of OK Computer. You're supporting our show on Sirius XM Radio on Mondays, which is amazing, and obviously on the tape. So thanks yeah. so much. For- can I say one more thing? Of course you can. Oh. So- we talk a lot about this idea at Row of you need data to move a brain, you need a story to move a heart, and you need both to move a human. And when we first started Row, as a result of the stigma behind erectile dysfunction, I told my story, right? And it allowed the outpouring of messages that I received, but I think it allowed, in some ways, it helped with the destigmatization that this is something that people experience. And so you thank me for the sponsorship, but I want to thank you because I genuinely believe that part of the stigma around, around the treatment of obesity is because people have been historically, at least related to this and seeing it as cheating, is people have been reluctant to talk about it. They've been reluctant to share the fact that they're using it. And not only I think everyone, do we need or expect everyone to shout from the rooftops that they're using this? No, that is everyone's individual journey. But I think people seeing someone like you comfortably share, because I think it takes a lot of courage to even start the journey, let alone share it with others, that I think it's tremendous. And I think that, yes, you're going to help a lot of people know about Roe and their body program. But I also think you're going to help a lot of people see themselves in you as your listeners do and just take a really positive step in their life. And it doesn't happen without going on a limb. So I do think it's hard to do. And I wanted to say thank you. I appreciate that because before I met you, your commercials were in my consciousness. I think a lot of people were. And the bravery that you showed doing that, what you were in your 20s when you started doing those commercials is absolutely amazing. So to me, this is not a big leap. You know what I mean? And it's something that, again, I was at a dinner last night with five guys and Two of them at the table, aside from me, are actually taking the drugs and they're talking about it. And I think I that's a really that. big first step. Though. I totally so, agree. And we all, we literally talked about it for yeah. a half an hour, which yeah. is absolutely amazing. So we need to normalize, it, it normalizes it. And if people need it, they should absolutely get access to it. Yeah. Listen, Z, we really appreciate, again, we appreciate you being here. This is a great conversation. Me. I hope you'll come back and we'll do it Always. again. Let's keep updating it. 
Thanks again to our presenting sponsors, CME Group, iConnections, FactSet, and SoFi. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit follow and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show, and we also want to hear from you. Email us at contact at riskreversal.com. Derivatives are not suitable for all investors and involve the risk of losing more than the amount originally deposited and any profit you might have made. This communication is not a recommendation or offer to buy, sell, or retain any specific investment or service.